Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We expect all Veterans Affairs uh, Canada employees to interact with veterans with care, compassion, and respect. And the actions of this one employee is simply disgusting, and I condemn this behavior in the strongest terms. Veterans Affairs Minister Lawrence McCauley. On what we've been finding out is, so, hello everybody, welcome. Um, What we've been finding out is so disturbing. I initially um, saw a Global News report about uh, Canadian Armed Forces members suffering with PTSD being offered assisted death by a Veterans Affairs Canada staffer. The people whose job it is to provide information, to provide support, their support personnel. The men and women in the military go through some very difficult realities, and post-traumatic stress disorder is a very real fact of life for many in the military. And we now know that... I guess we can't be 100% sure... But the allegation is, and it's very strong, that at least two members of the military, one past, one currently serving, were told by caseworkers at Veterans Affairs Canada to consider medical-assisted death to resolve their PTSD issues. Former CAF member and now host of the podcast Operation Tango Romeo, Mark Monkey shares he's spoken on his podcast with both a CAF veteran and a serving member, both suffering with PTSD. And uh, he just, I mean, I'm going to say it again. Medical assistance in death was suggested to both of those members of the military. Mark Monkey joins us. Uh, podcast is again Operation Tango Romeo. And M- Mark has also testified before the Parliamentary Standing Committee on Veterans Affairs. Mark, uh, thank you for joining us. I, I'm not terribly encouraged by the words of Minister McCauley. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to look into it, essentially is what he said. That doesn't, doesn't, put, that doesn't cut it. Well, you're going to be um, <clears throat> even less pleased when you hear uh, what I heard last night. So there's been some news since we spoke last, Roy. Um, so let's go back to what the minister said. So the minister first said at the, at the first meeting of the Standing Committee of Veterans Affairs, when he showed up, that actually was the deputy minister that said, absolutely, 100%, we are sure that there's only one veteran that this has ever happened to. It's never happened, and our, and our investigation has absolutely concluded that. And the deputy minister, uh, Ledwell, I think, Paul Ledwell, said that, like two, three times, because he was grilled on it. He goes, no, no. Goes, well, how can you conclude that if the investigation isn't over? He's like, oh, no, but we have. The investigation says that this has only happened one time to one veteran, that's it. Well, when another veteran came forward to me, and uh, this one is actually willing to testify, and then I let the cat out of the bag the day before the second hearing, which was on the 24th, uh, they got out in front of it with the, with the spin machine, and they said, okay, okay, okay. So, yeah, uh, 
it's more than one. We've now counted four veterans <laughs> that uh, that this has happened to. But but it's only one veteran service agent. This time we're sure. We are sure. Our our investigation has shown it's only one veteran service agent. But yes, it happened four times. Well, the four times that he cited, none of them. Um, included the new guy who's going by the pseudonym Bruce, who came forward to me, uh, who again was uh, written about in the National Post. So at the count is now five. But there's uh, only been one. Yeah, but there's only been one. <laughs> one time. It's never happened. So uh, the, the goalposts keep moving. Well, and, Mark, Mark it's, um, it's stunning that they would do that. They, they, they haven't had the investigation they haven't conducted an investigation, so you have a deputy minister getting up, and this is damage control of the worst kind, oh, yeah. because once you're on the record with something, we've always said, don't say to me today what you don't want me to play back for you tomorrow. Um, but yeah. that, that's so ludicrous to say, I mean, you've talked to two of them, and you have the deputy minister getting up and saying, no, it's only one. No, it's only one. It's Well, it's uh, they didn't know about the second one until uh, the morning of the um of, of the next hearing. So I caught them off guard. If I was a bit smarter, I would have let it out of the bag after they testified the second time. Do you know what? Uh, this is this is about this is about veterans. This is about you and every other veteran in the military. This is this is about the men and the women who struggle, who suffer. And it's it's about doing the right thing for each and every one of them. That's the expectation. Once their military careers are over, for whatever reason, or even if the careers are still ongoing and they're dealing with PTSD, which is uh, Bruce, the active member who spoke with you, that's his reality. The responsibility of the military is to do the right thing, and they have not done the right thing. We know there are flaws. I've done interviews for years on this. And we know that, that we know that, uh, that, that members of the military fall through the cracks. I spoke with a, a woman in Edmonton. She's a lawyer. Her husband was in the military. He had some PTSD or some, some issues that had to do with, I believe it was mental health issues that had to do with his overseas service. They were going to toss him out of the military before he became eligible for pension. I, hope, I think I've got this exactly correct. And then when she, when she started talking about it, she talked to me about it on the air, the military said, no, we won't do it now. No, we're not going to release him from, from the military. But then when, when the, the dust settled down a bit, Mark, guess what they did or attempted to do? And the, these exact same st stories like what you're referencing, Roy, is even worse within the RCMP. So because of my show, uh, it's a trauma recovery podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. So... Uh, there's a few things that the show does. One, I'm an aggregate for resources. So I find experts from around the world, from all kinds of modalities of healing, bring them on the show, and we talk about uh, what they have to offer. Because what uh, Veterans Affairs has to offer is very little. And so to build that out, I'm finding other resources, better mousetraps. And uh, so that makes me a center point, not just veterans, but RCMP members. And I have an RCMP member that I'm working on right now that um, has stories that just make your toes curl about how this person was treated when they said, hey, you know, I, I, need, a, I need some help for uh, PTSD because of all these horrible things that I've endured. I I'm, I'm have these horrific, uh, not side effects, but symptoms, and, and I, need, I needed some help. And they said, suck it up, buttercup. Uh, you got to learn to be tough at this job. Yeah. You know, I guess you're just weak. 
<laughs> I thought Mark, we were past this. I Mark, that's, that's, a, that's uh, exactly what I heard from a Toronto Police Services sergeant a few years ago. Yeah. We, did, we did a series on PTSD. And it was a Toronto Police Service sergeant said exactly the same thing. But because he had PTSD, he felt he was being ridiculed by those, by those around him, and particularly by his superiors. So we did a whole well, series on that. And, it, and there is the men and the women in, the, in, in, in frontline service who have PTSD don't get, the, don't get the, the, the respect that they receive. But I have to take a break in a second, but just give us an idea, please, of what you heard from the first uh, veteran retired or not active, but then what you also heard from Bruce, the active member of the Canadian Armed Forces. What did they tell you happened to them? Well, I can kill two birds with one stone with this one because it was almost like it was from a script. Uh, the veteran service agent, unprompted in both cases, said almost verbatim the same darn thing, which was, uh, oh, by the way, <laughs> if up the road you're, you're feeling depressed and you start to think about suicide, it's better than blowing your brains out. Let us do it for you. It's, it's not as messy. It's like the same message said twice to two different veterans and also that um, we've done it before and this is the key one we've done it before and we can do it for you that mm -hmm. was said both times and in both times it was also said that we've already completed so there's one dead veteran the, the government of Canada helped to kill one veteran minimum so this is what this is what the two members of the military one one no longer in the military, the other one still active. They told you the same story. That's what they shared with you. What what you it just shared same, with us. It was, it was the same story, and these stories are nine months apart. Okay. How many more times did this story happen over those nine months? Okay, so at this point we have to say, because the investigation is going to have to be carried out, it's an allegation at this point, so we have to say that. But I've heard far too many disturbing issues disturbing examples for me to his, sit here and say, I'm not challenging what they said, not for a second. I can't because, I mean, they, that's their story. Well, Veterans Affairs has admitted that this has happened. Okay. All right. It's just some of the finer details that uh, uh, haven't been fleshed out, but no. they've, they've admitted to this. So there's, you know, there's no room for conspiracy theory. And no, I'm not I, suggesting I, have a, that. I have a third one that I'm working on to, to, to have come forward right now. Yeah, Mark, I'm not suggesting any conspiracy theory here at all. My, yeah. my feelings, my support, my empathy is with the men and women in uniform always. I'm going to play that clip again from Lawrence McCauley. This is the Veterans Affairs Canada Minister. We expect all Veterans Affairs uh, Canada employees to interact with veterans with care, compassion, and respect. And the actions of this one employee is simply disgusting, and I condemn this behavior in the strongest terms. Well, let's see what they do. So there's one other point I wanted to raise with you, and I know that this was brought up by, certainly by Bruce, who you talked to, and that is a person whose life is being impacted severely by PTSD and who's seeking help, Mark, may well be in a desperate condition and could be influenced by being told medically assisted death was available and they'd done it before. A person could be influenced by that, yes? Well, absolutely. What I mean, whatever training they're getting at BAC is not enough. Uh, the minister testified the other day that they only get an hour and a half of suicide prevention training. I took a two-day 
full day course on the same. And that was just the, the bare nuts and bolts. So an hour and a half is absolutely ludicrous for suicide intervention training. Absolutely ludicrous. They don't even understand the basics. Uh, like the comments that we were talking about uh, before the break from, from people saying, oh, you just got to suck it up. It's because they don't understand that PTSD is a neurological injury. You can put somebody into a brain scan, uh, MRI kind of deal, and you can see from the brain scans, like, oh, there's the injury. There it is. Like, it is a physical injury of the brain. Uh, it is not a weakness. If somebody loses their legs to a landmine, nobody goes around saying, oh, you must have had weak shins. You know, what's, what's wrong with you? How come you're not tough enough? How come you didn't see the landmine? Nobody does that. But that's still the ignorance of uh, so, so many in leadership including at Veterans Affairs, where they don't understand what that is a neurological injury. So that's, that's a starting point. So when you appeared before the Standing Committee, Parliamentary Standing Committee, on Veterans Affairs, would you describe that experience, please? What did you get from that? What did you come away with? Well, I thought it was very telling that I was the only actual witness. Now, no disrespect to the other three that were there, but the other three were witnesses to nothing at all. What they were was um, very nice people that are stakeholders in the veterans community that had no evidence to provide whatsoever. So it's as if they were chosen and placed there to sort of um, lighten the mood. <laughs> I mean, there was, there was no function, really, um, and it made me wonder, it's like, well, okay, are we in sweep it under the carpet mode? Like, what's going on here? Because I was the only material witness, and I, I did suggest to them a couple other material witnesses, but they did, they were not invited to, to be there. And um, I will say, though, that it did not seem to be a partisan movement. Uh, members from all sides, uh, liberal, NDP, bloc, all of them came up to me after the testimony and thanked me for being there. We're very respectful. And I, I didn't feel like I was getting cross-examined or uh, second-guessed. So that was a relief. Um, it really seems that on all sides, on uh, every party really wants to get down to the bottom of this. Yeah, you know when, I mean, it was your testimony before the parliamentary committee that caused Bruce to to contact you at Operation Tango Romeo on the podcast. And he wasn't looking for maid when speaking with the VAC caseworker, but medically assisted death was raised by the caseworker. That's that's really so disturbing. And and Bruce, here's another one that's really disturbing, um, Mark. Bruce didn't want to be identified, doesn't want to be identified, because he worries about repercussions. And rightfully so. Uh, I forget the name offhand, but... Um I, it was given to me by by Bruce Moncour, I think. I, I got it written down at home. But there is precedent for active-serving active members testifying at committee. Um, the last one that I heard about was actually subpoenaed, so didn't have a choice. It was by subpoena, and he got the bums rush out of the military as a result. So there were repercussions. And anybody that served, they know that uh, when it comes to the media relations and whatnot, that it's a career suicide to open your mouth. Um, our listeners are very familiar with Bruce Moncour. He's been on this program many times. So we have a minute here. What's the takeaway at this point? There's more to come. But what's the takeaway at this point, Mark? Well, for the listeners, 
what I've been hearing from people is the apologist. It's like, well, it was probably isolated incident. Well, now we know that's not true. Well, maybe it's, it's only just one service agent. And what we haven't got to yet is I have proof as of last night that there is absolutely a second service agent. So this is not just one service agent. And I'm working carefully and gently with that person to find a way for them to come forward with that. Okay. Uh, hopefully they do it and I don't have to do it for them, but okay. I'm working on that now. So this, prepare yourselves, this could be a systemic thing. I don't think it's just two rogue employees that have the same right. perverted kink soft or made to people. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.